Welcome to the President's Career Podcast. The PCP is a resource for the Center of Professional and Career Pathways. So if you have any additional questions, feel free to stop by the office or schedule a meeting on Handshake. My name is Raheem Clemens, and today's episode will be all about resumes and cover letters, basically the first steps in documentation to get you hired somewhere. Today I'm joined with Jamie Klansmith and Rachel Soffer, the Senior Assistant Director and the Assistant Director for the Center of Professional and Career Pathways. To start off, can you tell us a little bit about what resumes are and what kind of information that you should expect to see on them? Right, so a resume is to help students get an interview. A lot of times people think it's to get them the job, but it doesn't get you the job, it gets you the interview. It's the first step towards an interview. So that's that's the first thing to know about a resume, is it's a document that is gonna get you uh, an interview. And then from there, you need to know how to go about writing your resume and what's important to market your resume. Okay, so what kind of information do you think is necessary to market your resume efficiently? Absolutely. Well, let's start at the top, and Rachel and I can kind of go between this for you. Um, So thinking about your resume, the very top of your resume includes your contact information, and it should include your name, your phone number, your email, and part of your address. So let's talk a little bit about that. Your phone number, people think that that's a really easy piece of your resume, which it technically is, but it's on the back end that you have some work to do. And what that might look like is you might not have your voicemail set up. So if you don't have your voicemail set up, you need to make sure that you do that because employers aren't going to repeatedly call you until you answer. You need to have that so they can leave you a voicemail. It also needs to be in a way that the employer can hear it and know that they've reached you. So instead of saying, you've reached 724-555-5555, it needs to say who you are. Hello, you've reached Jamie Klingensmith. Please leave a message and I will get back to you as soon as I can. Or something so that they know that they uh, called the correct number. If you've ever called someone and you get that number message, sometimes you're trying to check the number to see, did I dial the right number? If it has your name, then they're gonna know that this is the correct person who I'm trying to reach. So that would be one thing to consider. And then after that, another thing to consider is your email address. So if you are a current student, you can use your W&J email. If you're graduating, you might want to consider getting a non-WASHJEF email, but that could be a Gmail, and it should include your name and professional, um, just in a professional format. So it could be the same format you have for your W&J email, or it might be just your name at gmail.com. So, and then in terms of address, when you get to your address, you just need your city and state, as well as the zip code. You don't need your exact address, but that's the information you'll need in the heading section. Rach, do you want to talk about education? Yeah. So the next part of the resume is the education. And right now where you're all at in, you know, your journey to have a career is the education is most relevant, so it should be at the top right now. So the education section includes the name of the school, and a lot of students don't use the ampersand with Washington and Jefferson, but that's a really important part of listing that. It should include um, the city and state, so Washington, PA, and then it should include that you are obtaining a Bachelor of Arts, which everyone at WMJ gets when they graduate a Bachelor of Arts in whatever fields you're studying. 
then it would include your expected graduation date, so expected May 2022 or 2021, whatever your, whatever your graduation year is, any of your minors or concentrations or emphases, and it should include um, your GPA if it's above a certain level, we typically say above a three is a good standard to abide by. If you have a major GPA that's higher than your um, cumulative GPA, you may include that as well. Um, and you might include things like Dean's List. If you have, you know, a small number of honors or awards you want to include on there as well. This is also where you could put study abroad if you have one of those experiences too. Same kind of information, but instead of your degree, you might just put study abroad experience and the time you were there. The one thing I will add to that, if you're an accounting major, you should also include whether or not you intend to graduate with 150 academic credit hours. But most people, that won't affect them, but we're accounting majors. Now, can you tell me a little bit about what a good resume, the effect a good resume should have on somebody reading you? Absolutely. So you want to make sure that your resume is geared towards your reader, regardless of what industry that you're in. So, for example, the next piece of your resume might include what your related experience is, and that might come through an internship, or it might come through your capstone project or in-class research that you've done. So it should just be geared towards the reader and making sure that you are connecting with them and making sure that they see something that they can connect with because the average time that a resume reader reads for is not much. It's probably a lot less than what you're thinking. So ask yourself, how long do you think a resume reader reads for? And then I'll tell you the actual answer is seven seconds. So seven seconds is all you have to make that impression on your reader not very long when you think about it. So you want to make sure that you capture your reader's attention at the top of your resume. So that's why you put your education at the top. It's most relevant right now. But after that, it's going to be what else do you have that's most related? So whether that is a project, an internship, research, it's going to depend on your field. So that's what you're trying to get your reader to see is that most related experience and that will help you move into the yes pile versus the no pile of resumes. Rachel, do you have anything to add? To know the highlights that you want them to know. So I think Jamie covered that, but I think really whatever you feel is most relevant and it's okay to leave things off that maybe aren't relevant in that specific circumstance. So really taking the time to tailor it and make sure it is as relevant as possible to the job. And, and that might take some time and that might take some more concerted effort on your part to really make it personalized depending on the position that you're applying for. One of the things that you could do is you can look at the position description, think about your experience, and then start making sure that you've gone through and highlighted those things on your resume. So it might not be the same for every resume for every position. It might change depending on what they're looking for. And that's also something to think about is you want to convey that you can do this job. You want to make sure that you're showing the reader that you have the skills necessary and the tools necessary to be able to complete the job you're applying for. So after your experience, what next should be on your resume? 
Yeah, so on the resume after the experiences that you have, and we mentioned, you know, there's some different ways you can categorize those things. You would want to talk um, about your activities, um, which could include volunteering, could include clubs and organizations, sports, anything that's outside of, I guess, what you would categorize as your relevant experience for that uh, resume you're putting together. So definitely if you've been in a club or um, on the exec board of a club, that's information that should be on there. Um, if you, again, if you've held a leadership position, being able to talk about some of the tasks and things you've done as a leader and ways you've led different organizations is really important. Um, if you're looking at to add your volunteer experience, it would be helpful to talk about, you know, the length of time you've volunteered there. If you can track hours, you know, that's a, that would be something really important to add as well. Um, anything that you feel adds a certain, I guess, flair to your resume that would make you stand out and maybe even still be relevant to the position you're applying for. If you, if you're applying for a job in healthcare and you volunteered at a hospital, definitely put that on there. If you want to go into social work and you've worked with, you know, big brothers, big sisters, that's a really great way to make it show that you have a relevant experience outside of maybe like your work and your internship experience, but that you're working towards a goal in your career and that all these things are sort of adding up to be part of your journey to be in a certain career. Well, a standard resume is one page. You do want to think about what is priority to include. So all the things Rachel was talking about, along with your related experience, other things you might include might be your part-time jobs, your work-study positions. Um, positions at home that you do over breaks. Those can show customer service skills, sales experience. You're looking for the transferable skills in those opportunities so that you can highlight what skills are you bringing to the employer and what skills are you bringing to this position. But another category you might consider is your Magellan or Maxwell projects that you've done. So they might come under internships, but if it's a project-based Magellan, it wouldn't come under internships and it might not come under experience. It could come under maybe international experience, or it could come under projects, or it could come under honors. So depending on your other experience might dictate where you put that onto your document. And if you're not sure what to include or what's important because you're trying to stay on one page, um, you can certainly work with either myself or Rachel to get that down to one page. And sometimes what students have at two pages, we can absolutely bring back onto one page. So that's something to keep in mind where you're struggling to format it to get it onto one page. We have certain techniques that we can do to help you format it differently to get it back to one page. And a couple other tips to consider. You do not want to use a template when creating your resume for a number of reasons. One of those reasons is that it's nice to format the first time you create a resume with a template. Everything gets put in its right place for you. But anytime after that, that you need to update the document, the document is no longer created for the information that you're putting into it. So it's going to be a fight every time you need to make a formatting change. So that's something to think about that can be a complex problem for you. So yes, everything has a, a place at first, but a resume is a living document. So you're going to always be making changes. So format um, that, that's flexible would be something like Word, using Word or Google Docs that you're able to use that. And then you can use tabs to help things um, stay in place. And Rachel and I are happy to show you how to use the little tab box if you're not sure how to do that. 
Another thing to consider as you're writing your resume is employers are using what's called applicant tracking software. And as you think about applicant tracking software, it's using an algorithm system to evaluate your document. So as you upload your resume into any of those application systems that you've applied for, you complete that long application process, you upload your resume, it doesn't actually start with a human reader in most cases. In most cases it starts with applicant tracking software where it evaluates it and scans for keywords. And if you meet enough keywords, you'll get put into the virtual yes pile or the virtual no pile, depending on where if you have enough keywords. So if you do meet that and you get in the yes pile, then you have your whopping seven seconds to go ahead and ha impress the human viewer. But you have to get past the applicant tracking software first. So that's something you want to think about as you're thinking about tailoring your resume and what you're deciding to put on it and the keywords that you're using. You might have different keywords that you just change out for each application depending on how the position is describing them. It might be um, social media versus social networking, for example, might be just a little switch, but you want to make sure that it matches what the employer is actually asking for. Another reason that you don't want to use a template is because sometimes applicant tracking software have difficulty reading text box and other background information that are happening in um, a template. So you want to make sure that you don't have any of those in your document. So those are just some things to think about as, as you're working on your resume. So uh, I want to transition the conversation to cover letters. I know that on some applications, uh, they request a cover letter or even sometimes it's optional. Mm -hmm. Can you speak a little bit about what cover letters are and what kind of information should be on those? There are going to be a lot of opinions. Just like on your resume, if you ask 10 people opinion on your resume, you're going to get 10 different, 10 different opinions. And you, your resume and your cover letter, you take all that information and decide what's best for you. Cover letters are like that as well. And that some people love them and other people never read them. I always say people tend to fall into thirds. The third that read your cover letter first, if they like what they've read, they'll read your resume. The third that will read your resume first, and if they like what they've read, they'll go back and read your cover letter. And the third that don't care at all about cover letters and never read them. But you just don't know what group you're going to fall into. We've had employers who say, if a student doesn't know to include a cover letter, even if it's not asked for, if they don't know to include a cover letter, I'm not reading their application. Or others have said, oh, cover letters are outdated. We don't use those anymore. So it's really hard to know whether or not you should include one. So because we don't know which, which group of people we're going to get as um, our, our reader, we want to make sure that we go ahead and plan for the first group who will read your cover letter first. If they like what they've read, they'll read your resume. Because if they don't end up reading it, yes, it does take time and it's frustrating that they're not reading it, but it's not going to rule you out if you have one and they're not reading it. Whereas if they expect one and you didn't include one, you would automatically rule yourself out. Um, can you talk a little bit about what kind of information should be on a cover letter? Yeah, so a cover letter should tell the employer or whoever's reading the letter something that's not on your resume, something that goes beyond what you have listed and ultimately tells a story about you and your experience and how it relates to the position and what you can bring to the position. So thinking about 
formatting the, the letter, um, and Jamie can fill in parts that I might miss along the way, but um, the first paragraph is going to be an introduction to you, where you're at with your education or your experience, things like that, how you learned about the position, and a little bit about what you would bring to the position and why you're interested in it. Um, anything I missed there in that first section that you would include? The only thing I would add there is if somebody is recommending you apply, that yeah. would be where you would add that information. Yeah. Um, Rachel Stalker suggested that I apply for this position, so right. that would be where you would include that. I learned about this position through your recruiter at a job fair, and they urged me to apply, something Absolutely. like that. Yeah. So then the next paragraph or two, depending on how much you include, would be information about your experiences that goes beyond the bullet points that are on your resume and tells the reader a little bit more about why you're a good fit and uh, again tells a story about the experiences and how they relate to the position you're applying for. So you may talk about a specific project you worked on and kind of the results of that, um, maybe more in depth than you got to do on your resume. Um, I think it's important that it still relates to what you have on your resume but maybe goes beyond what is listed there implicitly. Um, I think any kind of information you can include that talks about skills that you have and ways in which you have used your experience and your knowledge to improve on something. If you can talk about statistics, about, you know, you improved X number of things or quantity type things, you could include that as well. Um, what else? Absolutely. You want to make sure you're writing towards your reader again because they don't take a lot of time if it's not relevant. So you always want to write most related to your reader to least related to your reader. Look at what they're asking for and what you have. Pick out your top few things that you want to expand on like Rachel was saying. So if you know that they're very interested in the research that you did and that's very connected to the position, that would be where you'd want to start. But you don't want it to be a relisting of your resume. To Rachel's point, they already have your resume. They wouldn't need the cover letter if they're, it's just a list. This is an opportunity for you to really expand and show them beyond those listings and in a story way to make it more interesting to your reader. They read a lot of documents, so you want to make sure that it, it tells uh, about your experience in an interesting way. So you might have one or two paragraphs in the body. It just depends on how much you have to say. So the first one could be a, about your experience, and the second one might be supporting information, maybe about your leadership role in a student organization. For example, if you're applying for a business or finance position and you led your student organization and you managed a budget of $15,000, that would help them to see uh, uh, how much you've worked with and what you've done to um, track and maintain that information. So something that you can think about is, again, just thinking about most related to least related to your reader and not including everything. I think another thing that I would say about the cover letter too is using that same language that Jamie talked about that was relevant in the in the resume in the cover letter as well if like she mentioned if they're looking for social networking instead of social media I think people pick up on keywords of things that they know you're looking for so I think that's another thing to consider as well when you're writing in the cover letter um, 
to wrap up the cover letter. It's typically kind of like a call to action and uh, a bit of a, I guess, uh, conclusion about who you are, what you bring to the table, and being able to ask them to consider you and to, you know, see if they're available to meet with you or, you know, to have an interview with you some some way that shows that you are really interested in the position and that they should contact you, um, providing, again, your contact information at the end, too. In the past, you used to leave space between your name or your closing, sincerely, comma, and then your name. There you would leave a space to sign, but we aren't printing and signing anything anymore. So you're best to just bring your name up right under the line. So sincerely, comma, your name on the very next line. Mm -hmm. No space needed there. Yeah. Sometimes when applying, there are other miscellaneous uh, spots to fill in. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how you should approach those, whether it's uh, giving me a little bit more information about yourself or explain why you'd be a good fit or something like that, open-ended question that just asks you to provide more information? Yeah, I think, you know, if there are, if there are questions, like written questions that they want to know more information about you, I think it's really important to take time to answer those. So don't just do them real quick right before you submit. Like take and take some time to really copy and paste the questions into Word and really edit your answers. They're they're looking again for an opportunity for you to show your ability to communicate with them. Um, but again, it's really about what do you want to share with them that feels relevant to the position. If they're asking just for some personal information, you know, think about what you'd want to share in an interview because that's probably kind of a screening question. Um, if you're also asking sort of about like an opportunity to share other documents too, which I think sometimes happens when you're filling out an application, um, they might be asking you for an unofficial transcript, which you can get on WebAdvisor. Um, they may be asking you for an official transcript, which they, which you would get through the registrar and be able to attach that as well. They may want to see some of your work um, they may want a, like a portfolio of writing samples, or if you're in some kind of like visual media, they may want to see work you've done. They might want to see videos you've made. If you're in like video production, they might want to see, um, like I mentioned, writing samples. They may ask for those as well. So there's kind of a number of things that that employers might ask for, and it's just really about reading the instructions and asking and follow. Uh, that they're asking of you and following along with those. Yes, then it can get all into specifics and things like that, which I recommend coming to, which I recommend coming by and asking Jamie and Rachel personally. Anyways, thank you, Rachel and Jamie, for your time. And if you have any other questions, don't hesitate to schedule a meeting on Handshake.